to continue this theme of I am blessed, and I believe that this psalm has much that we can learn of why we are blessed and how to be blessed uh, within our families. And so uh, this morning, if you have your Bibles, Psalm chapter 128, we'll be looking at the whole psalm. Uh, if you still need notes, you've not received the notes, uh, or for some reason they weren't maybe in your bulletin, you raise your hand, the ushers will get one to you. And uh, that way you can follow, follow along this morning as we go through the message. So Psalm chapter number 128, and if you need notes, uh, go ahead and raise your hand, and uh, they'll bring them to you shortly. So Psalm 128, we'll read all six verses this morning, and then we'll pray, listen to a special, and get right into the message. It says like this, verse number one, Blessed is everyone that feareth the Lord, that walketh in his ways. For thou shalt eat the labor of thine hands. Happy shalt thou be, and it shall be well with thee. Thy wife shall be as a fruitful vine by the sides of thine house. Thy children like olive plants round about thy table. Behold, that thus shall the man be blessed that feareth the Lord. The Lord shall bless thee out of Zion, and, out of, and thou shalt see the good of Jerusalem all the days of thy life. Yea, thou shalt see thy children's children, and peace upon Israel. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. I thank you for the truth that we find in it. And this morning, as we study this passage, Father, there's much that we can learn in this area of thanksgiving for our family, understanding, Father, how much we have been blessed by you. So I pray that this morning, as we uh, study this passage, your spirit would speak to our hearts, that we would be ready to be receptive of your word this morning, that we would not just be hearers of your word, but doers also. So I pray, Father, that you would speak to us in a special way, that you would fill me with your spirit, that I would be able to communicate this message in, in a way that would be not only understandable, but one, in a way that would please and honor you. Now, Father, I pray that you would speak to us this morning. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. to tell you what I think of Jesus since I found in him a friend so strong and true I would tell you how he changed my life completely he did something that no other friend could do to me with new assurance more and more I understand his words of love but I'll never know just why he came to save me till someday I see his blessed face above 
Well, perhaps the number one thing that everyone thinks about during this time of Thanksgiving is probably the idea and the coming together of family. Uh, the Thanksgiving holiday is one which we celebrate by coming together as a family and eating the, uh, the meal of the turkey dinner and, and having all that pie and all that good stuff. Uh, but it's coming together as a family to thank God for the blessings that he has given in that year. And uh, there's so much that we do when we come together as a family. Many times we sit together, we eat together, we laugh together, we play together, and hopefully every family prays together as well during this time. Now, if you've ever experienced that, you know how blessed then you are to have a family. I hope you don't have too much of a reaction like some did when they heard Winston Churchill's hit, uh, uh, words when he said, we shall fight on the beaches, we shall fight on the landing grounds, we shall fight in the fields and in the streets, we shall fight in the hills. And then someone heard that and they said, hey, that sounds like our Thanksgiving holiday with family. Uh, sometimes uh, it can be that way. Hopefully it's not like that on Thanksgiving, though, when you come together as a family. I hope it's a time of blessing because you see... Family is a blessing from God. It's a, a blessing that is unique. It's something that uh, only God could think of. God is the one that instituted the family. In fact, the Bible says after he created Adam, that Adam had a, a gap there that he needed a help meet. And God created Eve just for Adam. And then he married them together. They too should become one flesh, the Bible says. And, and they had children and the family was instituted in that moment by the divine mind of God alone. Uh, family is not something that came from man's thinking. It wasn't because he was just lonely and thought maybe I should just shack up with somebody. That was not how the family came to be. But it was by the perfect divine mind of God that brought about family. And it is a blessing to have family. I hope you enjoy your family. I hope you're blessed by your family. Well, Psalm chapter 128 has much to tell us about this idea and this blessing of family. You see, it was written by the King Hezekiah. Many scholars at least believe that, and I think I believe that as well. Uh, it was written by King Hezekiah after uh, the Assyrian army was defeated. If you know a little bit about the history of King Hezekiah, you'll know that he was a rather godly king. He was a man that tried to do right as he ruled in Israel. And there was a time in his ruling where the Assyrian army, which was the largest and strongest army of that day, came to threaten Hezekiah and his kingdom in the city of Jerusalem. They surrounded it, and usually in those days, the way that you would defeat a, a city is you weren't always able to uh, scale over the walls and just uh, uh, or beat down the door and, and try to take over the city. What they would do many times, because they weren't able to do that all the time, uh, was they would surround the city and they would stop them from being able to go out and get any kind of food or water or any, any kind of supplies that they needed, and they would just do that for 30 
to 60 to, to 90 days, three months, four months, uh, sometimes up to a year, and basically starve the people until the people opened a gate or did something or surrendered, uh, and that's how you would conquer them. And so the Assyrian army was doing this in King Hezekiah's day, and he was, he was scared for his people. He was scared for his own life. And he trusted in God, he turned to God, and God provided a way of victory. And after that, Hezekiah sits down and he writes this psalm. In fact, he writes uh, a chapter, really, of Psalm 126, 127, and 128. And if you follow the progression, you'll find that Psalm 126 really talks about God saving their nation. And then uh, Psalm 127 talks about really the sanctity of the home and, and the position that the home has. But then Psalm 128, the psalm that we will study this morning, really has to do the blessing of family. And Hezekiah writes this psalm thinking about the families that were saved by God and how blessed they were as a nation to have that blessing of family with them. So uh, I want you to just notice here in Psalm 28 the background of that. He, he reflects on, uh, on the experience and the time uh, that he experienced during that siege by the Assyrians. And so Hezekiah is writing that. And, and let me just say this morning that more than any other institution that you can find today, it just seems like the home is being attacked more than ever, does it not? Uh, it just seems like the more that you watch, the every time there's a new program on ABC or CBS or NBC, a new drama, it just seems like they're always trying to redefine what the home is. Uh, I've just seen commercials. I really don't watch those programs, but I've seen uh, the commercials, you know, uh, uh, that they'll have, and they'll have these programs like This Is Us, which was a, a pretty big uh, NBC uh, hit, uh, I don't know, a year ago, or maybe it's still on, I don't know. But uh, it, it was trying to redefine really what, what is the human spirit and what, is, what brings happiness and what really matters. And throughout a lot of those programs, they really want to redefine what love is, what the family is what the function of the family is, what makes up a family. They, they want to say, well, if, if, uh, as long as you love someone else then, and you want to be with them, then you're a family. But the, the fact of the matter is that uh, in, in a family, a marriage uh, is constituted by one man and one woman for one lifetime. That is how God instituted it. It's not just two people that want to fall in love and come together, but it's one man, one woman for one lifetime. That's the way that the family is structured. And, and it just seems like more and more we see more and more attacks on the family. It seems like all the best shows always come at, uh, they always come on television at the time where it's really ideal for family time. Have you noticed that? Uh, all, the, all the best shows, they try to either do it like on a Sunday night or on a Wednesday night so you can maybe miss church or, or even during the week when it's on the other days, it's usually around 7 o'clock, you know, that's prime time or 8 o'clock. And, uh, and, and sometimes that takes us away as parents from our families. Instead of having family time together and just uh, getting to know one another, we, we just sit and, and waste our time in front of the television. And, and let me just say, I'm as guilty as anyone else in that. But it's interesting to see that God uh, uh, shows us through his word how important family is and, and how important it is to be strong in our families. Why? Because God brings blessings to us through the family. You see, the devil understands and he knows today that if, you can, if he can just get into that family unit and begin to break it up, he can get us uh, out of God's will. He can get us away from the blessings that God wants to give us. So the devil is attacking more than ever, more and more, the family. Have you noticed how schools now are keeping kids later and later and later? And even at night now, they're having these night classes so you can get ahead in college. Let me just say, you're going to go to college anyway. 
right, just take your time, all right? Uh, but uh, they, they're doing that more and more and more, and why? Let me just say that there is a purpose in that. It's not by accident. The design there is to indoctrinate our kids. It's the, the design is to say, well, the state or the school should tell the kids what they need to know. And they're getting away from the parents. You have candidates, presidential, ex-presidential candidates that say, well, it takes a community to raise a family. No, it takes parents to raise a family, okay? Every, every home is an individual home. We are not uh, uh, people that should be raised by the state, but by the fear and admonition of the Lord through the family, through the parents, the mother and the father that was given to us. And so it's important to understand that in the day and age in which we live, we, we need to understand today that God's blessings come through the family. And Hezekiah, as he's writing this psalm, he's thinking about the families that were saved and, and what it means and the blessing that comes with having family. So uh, you may be asking yourself then, if we're living in this kind of world and we see what is going on, well, then how are we to receive God's blessing as a family? I mean, what does a blessed family even look like? Well, I'm glad you asked, because Psalm chapter 128 answers those very questions. So I want you to notice three truths this morning that will answer those questions. I want you to notice, number one, the source of blessing. As Hezekiah is writing this uh, chapter, you'll notice that he starts with here, Blessed is everyone that feareth the Lord, that walketh in his ways. Verse 2, For thou shalt eat the labor of thine hands, happy shalt thou be, and it shall be well with thee. Let me just say the source of blessing, first of all, is found in the love of of God. Hezekiah writes this on the very first sentence, blessed is everyone that feareth the Lord. Did you know uh, that everyone that fears the Lord loves the Lord and everyone that loves the Lord fears the Lord? You see that word fear there means to have a reverent love for just like many times our children, though they fear us as their parents, they fear when they do wrong. They yet they love us more than anything, uh, and they need that love. And and there the uh, here the the psalmist is saying, I just want you to understand that in the family, in this unit that is sacred, in this uh, institution by which God brings so many blessings into our lives, you must understand that what holds it together, that center, that nucleus, is the love of God. God's love is what brings it together. It's what keeps us together. See, God's blessings begin with our attitude uh, towards him. That's why Deuteronomy chapter 10 and verse number 12, there in your notes, it says, And now, Israel, what did the Lord thy God require of thee? But to fear the Lord thy God, to walk in all of his ways, to love him, and to serve the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul. One of the things that God wanted the people of Israel to understand as they were going into the promised land is that this. Listen, as a family, as a family, you must understand you need to have God as the center of your family. The love of God is that that source from which the blessings of God will flow into your family. And by the way, this first two verses really, really head in the family, head to you as a parent, as a father as the head of the household you are the one to lead in this area of love of God and I just say to every husband here to every father in here it is your responsibility as the head of the household to make sure that the love of God is in your household it's not up to your wife it shouldn't be your wife or your children that are begging you to come to the house of God and to 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 take time to worship God it should be you that is leading them in that area 
Hezekiah said, listen, the source of blessing in the family starts with the love of God when we are, uh, when we are coming together and making God the priority of our family. You see, if we are blessed to have a family, then as family, but especially the head of the household, we must start with the proper view of the love of God. You see, it's God's love which produces that happiness. You know that happiness cannot be found in any other place other than in the love of God. I don't know if you realize this or not, but in 2008, 4,000 books in that year alone were were published on happiness. In the year 2000, just eight years before that, only 50 books were published that year with the topic of happiness. As we go further and further and further on in our society, we see that more and more people are looking for happiness. And you know why? They're looking for happiness many times uh, because they're, they're desperate, they're, they're alone, they're in despair, they're in depression. And they think, well, if I can just find happiness uh, through my job, then everything will be okay. And then they find that their job doesn't produce happiness. And then they, they go through their money, and they find that money doesn't produce happiness. And then they go through their friends, and they say, friends doesn't produce happiness. And then they, they try to have pleasure, and they say, well, I'll find happiness through pleasure. And then they do all kinds of immorality, and they, they try to do all kinds of what they, the world would term as fun, and they just find that there is no happiness in it. And the reason is this. Because happiness can only come through the Lord. That word blessed means happy. In fact, if you translate it literally, it means happy, happy. All right? I mean true happiness. If you, if you could say it another way, verse uh, one would say, happy, happy is everyone that feareth the Lord or that loves the Lord. Every family that makes the Lord the center of their family, you'll find that joy will come with it. There will be a certain happiness from it. I like the story of this uh, rich industrialist that was uh, going fishing, and as he was walking to his boat, he was a little disturbed that next to where his boat was, was uh, docked, there was another boat, and there was a guy uh, that was the owner, this fisherman. He was just sort of sitting and lounging around, not doing really much, just sitting by his, by his boat. And, and so this, uh, this rich industrialist said, hey, uh, uh, why aren't you going uh, to catch any fish? And the fisherman looked at him and said, well, I, I already ca- caught, you know, all the fish that I need for, for the day. And the industrialist said, well, why don't you, um, you know, go get more than what you need? Why don't you just keep fishing, get, get more fish? And he said, well, what am I going to do with them if I do that? Well, he thought, uh, the, the industrialist said, well, you could, you could earn more money. And then as you earn more money, you could maybe buy a better boat so you could go further in into the ocean there and and get even more fish. And then you can, with more fish, make more money and buy bigger and stronger nets so that you can catch even more fish. And then as you catch even more fish, you'll make even more money. And uh, the fisherman said, well, then what what would I do after that? And the industrialist said, well, then you'll be so rich that you can just sit down and enjoy life like I'm doing. And the fisherman said, well, that's what I'm doing already. So many times we look for happiness in all the wrong places. We think if we can just have more, if we can just do more, we'll be happy. But the word of God clearly teaches here that happiness comes through loving God. You want your home to be happier, you want your marriage to be happier, make God the center of it. Matthew chapter 22, 37, Jesus said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. Jesus was telling them this is the secret to happiness. It's not things, it's not money, it's not possessions, it's loving God. So the first thing we see, the source of blessing is the love of God. But secondly, not only the love of God, but the law of God. 
the law of God. He says, that walketh in his ways, for thou shalt eat the labor of thine hands. He says, happy shall thou be, and it shall be well with thee. The love of God, to walk in the ways of God, is to follow his law. This means to apply the word of God into our daily lives. You see, the family will have God's blessing, and that family that will have God's blessing will have to live out God's commandments. Make them the standard to follow, the standard to do in your family. You know, there are places that you should not go as a family. There are things that you should not allow into your home as a family. I'm talking to you uh, parents, you you fathers of the home. You got to understand there are some limits that you need to put on your home. This is what the law of God provides for you and for me. What are the limits that we ought to have? I can just tell you that me and my wife had decided long ago that we're not going to have alcohol in our home. You say, well, some people don't see nothing wrong with it. Well, we do. I see much wrong with it as I study and read scriptures, and we've just decided that's just something that we're not going to allow in our home. And there are standards and there are things, there are places that we've decided we're not going to go. My wife and I have decided we're not going to attend going to clubs and dancing every Friday night or Saturday night. It's something we're just not going to do. Why? We find that it offends the law of God. And if we want to have a blessed home, we must understand not only are we to have the love of God in our home, but we need to have the law of God in our home. He says that uh, blessed is the one that feareth the Lord and that walketh in his ways. We ought to walk in the ways that please the Lord. I like what Psalms 37 says. It said, the mouth of the righteous speaketh wisdom and his tongue talketh of judgment. The law of his God is in his heart and none of his steps shall slide. Isn't that a blessing to understand and to know today? To know that uh, what we stand on, we can stand on sure and firm. It's not going to drop us. We're not going to fall from it. It's something that we can stand on. The law of God does not change. It is eternal. It is ever, ever stable. It is, is always the same. I'm thankful for that because it gives stability to your home. The love of God brings that joy to your home. The law of God brings that security, that stability in your home. You see, God's law produces in families the atmosphere which leaves us with no regret nor remorse for what has been done. I can tell you of many families, and I'm sure you know many families in your life, that they wish they hadn't done something. They wish they would have made or, or, or had a different decision made. And now today they're... They're very regretful. I know many fathers that wish that they would have spent more time with their children. I know many moms that wish they would have just read a little bit more to their children. But now their children are wandering. Now they want to spend time with them. Now they want to go eat with them. And their children want nothing to do with them. So what happened? I'll tell you, the law of God was not there. There was nothing that was going to help them to stay together. There was no limits on what they were going to allow them to do. And now they reap with regret and remorse and they cry that there's just nothing to bring them back. You see, the law of God is something that is righteous. It's something that is perfect. Psalms 19 says this, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Man, if you want your, your family to be blessed, let me just say, it starts with the love of God in your home. 
but it continues with the law of God in your heart. Understanding that that's what is right. That's what is perfect. That's what will lead you correctly, help you to lead your family in the right path, in the ways that are God's ways. In 1992, there was this guy by the name of Dennis Lee Curtis who was arrested uh, for uh, stealing there in Rapid City, South Dakota. And apparently this was a, a man that was uh, principled in his uh, thievery, in his, uh, in his being a crook, I guess. And they found in his wallet this piece of paper, and he had written down this code, these rules that he was going to follow with his life. I'm going to read them to you. Number one, he said, I will not kill anyone unless I have to. That was a rule that he was going to have. He was going to be breaking into people's homes. Then rule number two, he said, I will take cash and food stamps, but no checks. Not taking checks, just cash and food stamps, things that I can use right away. Number three, he said, I will rob only at night. Not going to do it in the daytime. I won't do it in the afternoon, only at night. Number four, he said, I will not wear a mask. Let's just let my face be shown. Number five, he said, I will not rob mini marts or 7-Eleven stores. That's what he had there written in his wallet. Number six, he said, if I get chased by cops on foot, I will get away. If chased by a vehicle, I will not put the lives of innocent civilians on the line. Well, he was very thoughtful as a thief, all right? He, he just thought, I'll, I'll just steal and run away unless I'm in a car. Number seven, he said, I will rob only seven months out of the year. Only seven months. Five months out of the year, he's going to be right and upstanding citizen. And then number eight, he wrote, I will enjoy robbing from the rich to give to the poor. I mean, he saw himself as a Robin Hood, as someone that was really doing good. As I read this story, I thought it was so funny and so striking. He really believed that little code, and he lived by that code. And because of that code, because he lived by that rules and by that law, he ended up in prison. You know, I, I know so many times as families and as heads of the households, we have all the wrong rules that we're following. We're not really following the law of God. We're, lo- we're following the law of dad. And sometimes that law is way off. And if you're not careful, you follow that law, it will take you somewhere you'll never want it to go. It will leave your children in disgrace. It it will leave your marriage broken. I don't know if you've noticed, but uh, divorce rate keeps going up every year. I was sharing some of the statistics with uh, the uh, parents of our youth group at our last parent teen meeting, and it's, it's, it's astounding to me, and you can, you can look at them on the PewResearch.com. It's astounding to me to see the demographics of America as it's changing, how many divorced homes there are now, seeing how many blended families, and this is a new term that just came up recently. They call it blended families, when someone that is divorced marries someone else that already has their children that, that is also divorced, and they come together and start a new family. It's a blended family. And by the way, I'm thankful for anyone that gets saved. If you're here this morning and you're in a blended family, I I praise God that you're following, you're getting on the right path. I'm glad that you are here. This is the right first step as a family. The Bible says that old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. We are new creatures in Christ. But I'm just saying that the blessings of God in a family come when we make the law of God and the love of God a priority in our life. That's the source of blessing. But notice not only the source of blessing in your notes, notice the stream of blessing. These blessings continue on down. The first one I want you to notice is the wife. Verse number three says, Thy wife shall be as a fruitful vine by the sides of thine house. 
Thy wife shall be as a fruitful vine by the sides of thine house. You see, the blessing of God for the family is not only dependent on the husband as he leads them in the love and law of God, but it continues through his wife. She is to be that person through which he is to enjoy the ongoing blessings of God. In fact, Proverbs 18.22 says, Whoso findeth a wife, findeth a good thing, and obtaineth favor of the Lord. Finding a wife is a good thing for your family. It's something that is so important. That's why, husbands, we ought to treat our wives correctly, lovingly, tenderly, kindly. Why? The blessings of God comes with that. Not to view them as some slave. You're not to view them as some servant there that should do what she has to do there. But, but the Bible says, no, she is like a, that, that vine. And it, it's, um, it, it's interesting that uh, the Hezekiah here compares uh, the wife to the vine. You see, the vine has uh, always been a symbol of joy in the Bible. Uh, anytime that there was a, an event of ceremony of, of a lot of joy and of, of laughter, they always got the fruit of the vine, and that was something that was used. It was, it was that grape juice that would bring uh, that joy to that ceremony, and it was also a symbol not only of joy, but of God's blessing. In fact, whenever God, if you read in the Old Testament, is talking about the promised land, he always tells the people of Israel, he says, when you get in there, you're going to have your own vineyards. To have your own vineyard was a, a symbol of having God's blessing on you and on your family. Having the joy of God in your heart and in your family. So Hezekiah uh, uh, points to the wife and he says, you know, that, that wife, she shall be like a fruitful vine. That blessing, that person that brings that joy. Through the vine you would receive the fruit to celebrate great victories and to celebrate various ceremonies in life. The wife is to be that one whom God gave us to bring joy to the married man. That's, that's something that uh, is part of the blessings in a family. She's the one that God placed with the ability to adorn the home and, and to make it beautiful. She's the one that makes home, home. And anyone that has found a good wife knows that. I'm telling you, I, I think if, if it was just me in my home, nobody would want to visit me. I'm telling you, I, I am not the cleanest person around. Um, and my home and, and the decor in, in my home is not of my doing at all. In fact, I'll, I'll tell you this, and it's probably not something to brag about, but I'll, I'll tell you this. Uh, I remember when we first moved into our home, I hate painting. I still hate painting. And I remember for Valentine's Day, I was going to get my wife something nice. I was trying to think of maybe buying her some jewelry or something, and, and it just occurred to me, let me just ask her what she wants. So I, I went and asked her. She said, can you get me a five-gallon bucket of paint? Bucket of paint. Why? She said, I'm going to paint the house, and I'm telling you, she painted the whole house. I I, uh, I think I helped maybe take down one or two pieces of tape that she had put up, and that's about it. Uh, but it, but it was a, it, it's amazing the, uh, the the ability that the wife has to do that to adorn the home, and that's what the Bible here says. She says, "Man, she's that fruitful vine in the home. She makes home home." I honestly don't know where my kids would run to if she wasn't around. I mean, they always run away from me, and they're always running to her, to that, 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 that woman there that God has placed that uh, provides such love and care for the home, for the children. I think uh, the uh, writer of Proverbs got it right when he said in Proverbs 31, She looketh well to the ways of her household, and eateth not the bread of idleness. Her children arise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praiseth her. Many daughters have done virtuously, but thou excellest them all. Favor is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. 
You say this fruit was a symbolic of the joy that, 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 uh, that comes with it. And the wife, he says, thy wife and this family shall be like that fruitful vine. Symbolizing the joy and the blessing that comes through her. But not only is it that, but it also symbolizes the, the expanse and growth of the family. You see, it comes through the wife. By the way, that's why homosexuality is such an abomination unto God. It goes directly against what God wants for the family. God says, I want you to be fruitful and multiply. You can't do that without a wife. She is the one in which the family grows and expands. Psalmist says he thinks about the family and the blessing of the family. He says, man, thy wife shall be as a fruitful vine. She shall bring joy to your heart. God's blessing will be there. It'll be what helps grow that family. But not only the wife do you see as a stream of blessing, but then the children. The children. I love what it says there in verse number three. Thy children like olive plants round about thy table. The Bible says there in Psalm 123, uh, 127, verse 3, Lo, children are in heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. You find that the children are also a stream of blessing in the family. You'll find that the Lord has provided children to be a blessing, not a thorn in the side to parents, not a pain, not something to be put up with, but something to be loved and cherished. He said, thy children will be like the olive plants. Now, it's interesting that it says there that those shall be like olive plants round about the table. Do you know uh, there we, we can get the principle of how important it is to have family time around the table? To eat together and to be together as you have those meals. He says, you're not going to be as branches. He says, you're going to be olive plants. They're their own plant, but they're all around the table. And they're there. They're willing to, they're, they're ready to be fed. In the ancient uh, times there, in the times when this was written, you would put all these olive plants around and you would, you would water them and, and let them grow and, and, and you'd put them right, be, uh, right around the, the main stem, the main uh, plant. And, and as the uh, offshoots of that plant where the seeds would go off, they would grow all around that main stem of the plant. And, and if that main stem were to go down, that, that plant would just keep, the other plants around it would just keep moving and keep growing. And that's the idea. Do you know that your children are not given to you to be a possession for you? The Bible says that our responsibility as parents is to raise them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. They're going to have their own families one day. They're going to have their own lives one day. And it is our responsibility to train them, to feed them. Not just physically around the table, but spiritually as well. Why? Because God's blessing comes through that. Man, there, there's just something, uh, there's, a, there's a blessing. Uh, I think 3 John uh, wrote, uh, in, in, I can't remember what verse it is there in 3 John, but he wrote, there's no greater joy than to know that my children walk in light. Let me say that there's no greater joy as a parent. There's no greater blessing than to know that my children love God, that my children are serving God, that my children are listening to the word of God. Man, there's just no greater blessing than that. And the psalmist just recalls the blessing of that in the family. And he says, man, they're like olive plants round about the table. They're there to receive from what God has given. Charles Spurgeon used to uh, speak about his great grandfather, James Spurgeon. And he always used to share a story about how one day uh, he was a farmer and, 
and all his cows died. Really, the, the main cow that provided the milk for the family uh, died, and his wife was very scared about the, what the future was going to be. They had a very large family. I believe they had eight kids or so, uh, and they had a very large family. They didn't know what they were going to do with, uh, without this cow to provide the milk and the, and the food. And, and James told his wife, he said, it's okay. God is in control. God will always provide. And Charles says, I remember hearing that story of, of my great-grandfather as in that day, the very same day that that cow died, there was a group of men whom James Virgin didn't even know who they were. He had not really associated with them. They had met there in the city of London, and they were well-off men, rich men that wanted to help pastors. They wanted to help people that were in, uh, in need. And, of course, uh, Charles Spurgeon's great-grandfather was a, was a pastor. And, and so uh, as they were... Uh, distributing all the, the money that had come in and the needs that, that, that had come in for various pastors, there was $5 left or five pounds left, which was a lot of money back then. And they said, well, let's go ahead and send this to James Spurgeon. And then another person there in that group said, well, I, I don't think we should only send him five. I think we should give him more. I'm going to give another five. Is there anybody else that wants to give? And in that day, they raised 20 pounds for that family and sent it in the mail. And the next day, he received that money. I'm simply saying that it's good for our children to hear how God has blessed the home, how God has provided. It's something that we need to feed them. I'll ask a convicting question. When was the last time that we talked to our family or our children about what God did this year? Not about what he did two years ago, which is always good to let them know, and what he did five years ago, but what has he done this year in 2017 that you can tell your children, listen, Kids, I was, I was in this, this distress, and God helped us. God provided for our family. Man, we always have time to talk about so many things, but many times we don't talk about the most important things. The psalmist said, listen, thy wife shall be as a fruitful vine, thy children as olive plants round about the table. We, f we find that the source of blessing is God. The stream of blessing comes through that wife and children. But then I want you to notice thirdly this morning and lastly, the surety of blessing. Number four, God himself says, Behold, that thus shall the man be blessed that feareth the Lord. This is not the dad saying this. This is not the mom saying this. This is God of heaven saying, That man who loves God, that man who is a stream of blessing with his wife and children, that, that family shall be blessed. He says in verse number five, The Lord shall bless thee out of Zion, and thou shalt see the good of Jerusalem all the days of thy life. I want you to notice, first of all, the authority of this promise, of this surety. The, surety, the word surety just means the, the assurance of this promise. God promises to bless that family. And the first thing that the psalmist points to is the authority of that blessing. You see, Zion is always the place of the throne of God. And from the throne of God, he said, from Zion, God shall bless thee. God shall bless your family, shall prosper you. The authority that was given was to remind them of the fact that what God said, he will do. If God settled it, said it, that settles it. We don't have to doubt, will God's blessing come into my family? Listen, if you love God, God's blessing is going to come. I'm going to tell you something. If, you, if you're training your children right, if you're loving your wife correctly, let me tell you something. God's blessing is coming. It's important for us to understand the, the promise of this blessing is sure. Why? Because of the authority that gave it to us. Numbers 23, 19, God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. 
Hath he said, and shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken, and shall he not make it good? That's a rhetorical question. He's saying, yes, if God said it, he'll do it. This was in a time when the children of Israel were going to go to the promised land, and they were doubting. And they said, hey, has God ever failed us yet? Did God say he was going to take us out of Egypt? We're out, aren't we? Did God say he was going to provide for us through the wilderness? He's provided, hasn't he? I mean, if, he not, if, he, if God has not said it, will he not do it? If God already said it, will he not do it? Will he not make good on his word? I mean, the authority there is the sureness of this promise. But I want you to notice not only the authority there of the surety, but then the legacy. He says there at the end, Yea, thou shalt see thy children's children and peace upon Israel. There is a legacy that comes with God's blessing, and that's peace. Peace in your home. Peace for your children. Peace for your grandchildren. There's a legacy that follows that family that will make God the center of their family. That will receive God's blessing in their life. You see, as we meditate and think about the promises of God to us as a family, we can truly say, I am blessed. I really am. I'm blessed to know what God's word says. I'm blessed with the wife that I have. I'm blessed with the children that God's given me. But not only can we reflectively say we are blessed, but we can actively say we can be a blessing. We started off this morning saying, man, there's, there's a lot of things that are being attacked on the family, and that's true. So what can we do? What can we do as we read the psalm? What is it that he's really wanting us to understand and do? I want to give you three quick things there in the back of your notes that you can apply even this week already. Number one, make God the priority in your family. Well, how do I do that? Decide today, I'm not going to miss church services. Decide today, I'm going to get in a Sunday school class. I need to grow. Decide today, you know what? Uh, when the kids come home, before they go to bed, we're going to have devotions. Or maybe before they go to school, we're going to read a chapter together as a family from the Word of God. And then we're going to pray together, and then I'm going to send them off to school. Make God the priority, not a priority. Sometimes we have this idea, well, we're, we're, God is a priority. No, He doesn't need to be a priority. He needs to be the priority. Then secondly, what's another practical truth that we can draw from and do? Number two, make time for your family. Make time for your family. Husbands, can I encourage you? Go on dates with your wife. You say, well, we've been married for 20 years. Even better. I've been married for 10 years. I've been married for five years. Listen, take time. I was told in, in, uh, in college as I was taking a class with my wife on marriage in the home, they said the way you got them is the way you keep them. If you take them out on dates, keep taking them out on dates. If not, she may leave you. Make time for your family. Make time for your kids. Don't make family time only watching the Andy Griffith show, which nobody knows around here. Don't make family time just watching something on Netflix. Make family time a time where you can speak with your children, laugh with your children, tell them the corniest joke you can think of. It's okay. Just take time with your family. And number three, trust in God's promises. The psalmist reminds us we need to trust in what God has said. You're going through a tough time in your family, trust that God will bless you. 
get on that right path, walk in his ways. Blessed is a man that feareth the Lord and walketh in his ways. Simply saying the blessing of family is something that is better than any other blessing you can think of. But you've got to walk. You've got to know that the source of that blessing is God himself. The stream is my family. And the promises are sure because of what God has said. I pray that this morning we can apply that blessing into our homes even this morning. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. I thank you that this morning you've allowed us to be reminded about the truth of having your blessing in our family. Oh, sometimes we can get to a point in our life where we just take it for granted. Where it just seems we're like in a routine of life and nothing changes and we, we don't do much. We don't really spend the time we ought to with you privately, alone. That as fathers and husbands and heads of households, we're just not walking the way we ought to with you. We're not leading our family in that way. Father, I pray that we would decide to change that. Many times as Christians, we don't take time with our family as we ought. Oh, Father, we, may we not make excuses this morning on why we can't take our wife on dates or why we can't spend time with our children. Oh, Father, may we make that something important, something that we do. And Father, may we not doubt what you have promised. Oh, each and every one of us can have a home that is blessed this morning if we just believe your promises. So let us not hear this message and go back home the same way we came. But help us to be even more dedicated. Help us to be even more committed to having a family that is blessed. To bless others and to be re reflective of your blessing in our life. Oh, Father, may your word do its work in our lives and in our families. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Pastor Jeremy. As we stand.